Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Gabriel had a big sign on him that said, please look after this bear. Thank you. Hi, I'm David. We had five children in the States. Then we moved to Africa where we adopted three children. We have children's homes. We've had hundreds of children come through. Well, we have six homes right now. Usually it's a social worker that says, I have children that have been removed, either removed from their parents' home or they were abandoned, we found them. We always prayed that God would give us children who had absolutely no one else. Gabriel was a badly abused child. Uh, He was only a year old, and yet he was full of scars and marks. In fact, he was so badly scarred, I couldn't look at him when he first came. And I used to pray for him. I said, God, Somewhere, there's, there's adoptive parents for this child. God, where are they? <laughs> send them, God, send them soon. And then <laughs> one day I'm talking to a good friend of mine, a pastor, Pastor Bill on the phone. And I said, Bill, am I crazy? I keep thinking maybe I should adopt this child. And so I'm trying to talk to Bill on the phone, but I keep putting the phone higher and higher because I'm, I'm crying, I'm weeping. <laughs> And I don't want Bill to hear. (laughs) Finally, Bill says, what is going on over there? And then he said, oh, I get it. So David, you already have a father's heart for that child. And that's how Gabriel came into our family. It's not a what, said Abby. It's a bear. And his name is Gabriel. And he's come to stay with us. We have to all be aware who's who's around us, who's in our community, not just who do we go to church with or who do we work with, but who lives on our street and who has died on our street um, and who had left children behind on our street and reach out to them. Good morning, saints. Good morning to our online congregation. Listen, I just really want to thank Heartlines. I want to thank Navilia Malloy, who pulled me into this project, and I'm so glad you did. And uh, really, uh, it was an honor to get to be a part of the Fathers Matter initiative this year. My name's David Webb. I am a pastor here at the church. And today I want to talk to you uh, about being an orphan. And uh, today is Orphan Sunday. There's actually over 90 nations in the world that celebrate, Christian churches in 90 nations of the world celebrate Orphan Sunday. Uh, We were pleased and blessed years ago, my wife and I, and uh, uh, one of our friends, Nina Neubauer, uh, were able to actually uh, go and preach in the church where Orphan Sunday started. 
Pastor Billy Chandwe invited us. My wife and Nina Neubauer gave a two-day conference on connected children, issues related to children who came from hard places. And uh, it was an ex- a fun and exciting time, but this is the little church where Orphan Sunday started. The pastor there, Pastor Billy Chandwe, said to his congregation, the streets around our church are full of orphans begging for food, excuse me, and they're in rags. What can we do for them? And he said, we're going to have Orphan Sunday. Bring whatever you have. And they people... That Sunday, the first Sunday in November, 2001, they brought food, they brought clothes, they brought carloads of food, they brought clothing, they even brought some furniture, and uh, they uh, said, no, there's plenty for the orphan, because the church is called to care for the orphan. And that started a tradition in that area, which spread actually all over the world. And as I said today, 90 nations are celebrating Orphan Sunday. Orphan Sunday is not to celebrate being an orphan. Orphan Sunday is to celebrate and to remember that there is still a mandate that the church must care for the orphan. It has never been done away with. Uh, uh, James 1.27, this is pure and undefiled religion to to come to the widow and the orphan in their time of distress. And uh, in this church, we don't forget it. And I want to thank Pastor Sai, who always calls me up to remind me when Orphan Sunday is and that we will do something to remember it. But today I'm going to talk about orphans, but I'm going to talk about it from a little different angle. Orphan Sunday, the name bothered me at first because I thought, well, I don't want to celebrate, you know, somebody's an orphan. And... Um, in fact, well, again, as I said, we're celebrating that we have a mandate or remembering that we have a mandate to care for orphans. As I remember, um, Psalm 68.5, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. So there are no orphans, right? I mean, there's, God has declared, if you're fatherless, I'll be your father. I'm the one. I'm filling in. <laughs> I'll take the place. So there are no orphans. So And yet, what I've seen is that people can often act like an orphan. My wife and I had a long discussion about this this week. People often will act like orphans, even when they are legitimate members of the family. We run children's homes. In a children's home, um, I'll tell you a few stories. When we had one child that my wife and I adopted, who will be nameless, we used to, uh, whenever the family was watching TV in the lounge, um, this child would come and kind of stand at the door out in the hallway outside and kind of try to twist her head, try to see the TV. we said, say, what are you doing? You know, come in. Come in and sit down. We're watching TV. But at that time, they didn't feel like a member of the family. They didn't feel like, they felt like that was an intrusion, that they would go sit with the family an adopted, legally adopted child that really battled to feel like they were a part. <laughs> Who's identifying with that? Who's part of the family today that is thinking, yeah, but I've never felt part of the family. We have one child used to, every time we went to the grocery store, find a bag of usually crisps or some little small amount of food and just beg for it. Please, please, please. 
And we say, no, no, we just had lunch, or we just had, we're about to go to dinner. We don't need this. And, and, uh, but we would always buy it, and that child would take this small bag of crisps and open up their school bag and put it in the bottom and close it up. And it would stay there for months. They would never eat it because they weren't really battling hunger. They were battling the fear of hunger, that something's going to go wrong tomorrow and there won't be food. So I want something in my pocket today to make sure that doesn't happen. Very common if you work with children from hard places to find that they, uh, at a meal, will take a little bit extra, usually a a bit of bread, something that's easy to, to transport and slip it in their pocket just in case, because maybe tomorrow there will be nothing, but today there's food, so I better take whatever I can while I can. Spiritual adoption happens with or without natural or adoptive parents. Spiritually adopted children, guess what? Get to stop being afraid. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and that we need not be afraid anymore. One of the gifts of sonship is that we can stop being afraid there was another young man used to come to our house and we would notice after he left that little things would be missing. Maybe a few tins of tuna. <laughs> Maybe the, the laundry powder had suddenly dropped several inches. And, you know. So I went to him next time I saw him and said, you know, so here's what I want you to do. Whenever you visit us, I want you to Like, if you see anything in the house you want, put it in the middle of the kitchen table. And then when you're about to go, just say, can I take this? And most of the time, we're going to say yes. Nine out of ten times, we'll say yes. We're not poor. We can give away some tins of food. Of course, if he were to take all the, you know, sirloin steak, we might say no. We might, but, (laughs) but he never did that. He was always... He was always taking very minor stuff. And I'll never forget the look on his face because when he realized what we were talking about, he had that look of complete horror and guilt and shame. And, uh, and then I told him what I wanted him to do. And the look of relief and shock that came across his face. And he just said, I love you, Dad. <laughs> well, I love you too. <laughs> but I also don't want you ever to go home hungry or being afraid of being hungry the next day. And see, this was part of healing that child's heart, that they wouldn't worry that Father God was not going to provide for them. So we let them have it. I know. I know. There's people here saying, yeah, but he was stealing. What do you... <laughs> yeah, you can deal with stealing at another day, another time. That day we were dealing with a spirit of fear. Um, my wife <laughs> my wife often comments how much she enjoys 
that uh, the children at our children's homes, at the Every Nation Havens, um, like all of them, you know, act like they own the place. You know, they'll, they'll take food out of the closets. You know, they see something they want. They see a new toy. They'll take out and play with it. And, you know, they have no problem at all <laughs> um, acting like this is their home. This is their food. These are their toys. <laughs> it's a good sign. They are children of the house. They belong there. They're not afraid of being kicked out. They're not afraid that they're going to lose their place in the family. So even though they don't have legally adoptive parents, they have a family and they have a home and they know they belong there. And most of them know Jesus as well. Now look, you know, if you've been a Christian any length of time, that that does not guarantee that you are now living the perfect life, okay? That you are still going to battle sin. You're going to still battle things like stealing tins of food or whatever you're thing is, okay? Um, But the point is, we are works in progress, that we are learning to both obey and to be repentant quickly and to trust God with all of our lives. Examine your heart today. We're going to be talking about an orphan spirit. Are there things in your life that you'd say, wow, I really don't trust God at all in that area. How do you feel? How do you feel about God being your father? Have you heard other people, other Christians refer to God as, you know, daddy, dad? Well, I'm going to take that to dad, you know? Well, daddy told me not to worry. How do you feel about that? Because the first time I heard those words, ugh, that was difficult for me. It's like, ugh, Really? The Lord God, creator of the universe? Daddy? Really? (laughs) I battled. (laughs) But you know what I found out is that those people had learned to emote to Father God. Even if they had not talked to their own earthly father that way, they had no problem calling Heavenly Father Dad, Daddy. That's a beautiful thing. I learned to do that. Not in public, really, but when I'm alone. (laughs) Refer to Father God, Daddy God. I do have slides. I forget about them. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. If you're in Christ Jesus, if you've already given your life up to him, you are a child of God through your faith. Father is the Christian name for God, for everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Of all the benefits of the the gospel offers, none is higher than this truth of the fatherhood of God. That sounds like an overstatement, but even though justification sets us right with God, it's the fatherhood of God that brings us into the family. It is a wonderful thing to be born again and to know you'll go to heaven, to have turned your life over to Jesus. Please don't think that's the end of it, that now we just must trot along till we get to heaven because God wants you to know that you're deeply loved and cared for right here today. And he's excited about loving you and caring for you and providing for you and protecting you and giving you a sense of identity. These are the things God does. 
and he'll do it for you. It's all about the fact that you're already part of the family. You became part of the family when you gave your heart to Jesus. If, you, if, you, if you're born again, then everything else is your right. I just wanted to mention this because, you know, Christianity is the only place where we talk blatantly emotionally about the fatherhood, the love of God. In Islam, um, uh, Islam tolerates the use of the word father to refer to God, but it is not propagated, it is not encouraged. Um, God is totally separate from human beings. Therefore, Jesus is not his son, and we are not his children. Hinduism, God is father, mother, grandfather, source of all life. Buddhism, a non-theistic belief system that has no father. Judaism, there is, of course, Abba, Father, in Judaism. God is the giver of life. He's the source of life. He's a metaphorical father. He's not your dad. He's not one to warm up to. He's not one you'll jump in his lap. Years ago, Pastor Andrew Gossman was teaching right here, and I'll never forget, he said, uh, he said, yeah, let's all just close our eyes and just imagine ourselves jumping into Daddy God's lap. And I'm thinking, no. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I ain't jumping nowhere. <laughs> but uh, Jesus did something interesting with me in that moment. As I had my eyes closed, I, I suddenly had a picture of Jesus taking my hand. Didn't mind Jesus taking my hand, oddly enough. Taking my hand, walking me up to Father God, and, and us sitting together for a minute. And I'm looking at Jesus like, okay, is that enough? And, uh, and then we were done, and I walked away. Because I was learning to love his Father, Father God. And it was taking time. However long it takes, guys, it's worth it. Learn to love Father God as your father. Sorry. In Christianity, however, we see what kind of love Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who receive him, to all who believe in his name. It's done, baby. It is done. You're a child of the family. You don't need a special card later, you know, to say, yeah, but I'm part of this group. No, 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 you are. You are. And you don't feel like it sometimes, but you are. You're a child of the family. You're deeply loved. You're protected. You're provided for. Whether or not you believe it, it is true. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. If you came from a background where intimacy and love was not the norm, then this can be difficult. And it'll take time. But that's fine. God will deliver you of an orphan spirit. He'll teach you how to love him and how to receive love from him. It just takes time. Throw yourself on him. Read his word so that you really get to know him. That's the best advice I can give. Because the more you get to know him, the more you'll trust him, the more you'll like him, the more you'll enjoy being with him. 
When the fullness of time had come, Jesus, excuse me, God sent forth his son born of woman under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Adoption. Born again. Roughly the same thing. The Bible uses both terms. We become part of the family. There is no such thing in God's economy as an adopted child. Only a child who was adopted into the family. Adopted defines how you came into the household. It doesn't define you as some other sort of family member. In the book of Romans, Paul defines all Christians, Jew and Gentile, as having received a common spirit of adoption. It is funny that people will come up to my wife and I and and I understand, they're trying to f- figure us out, and like, they say, so, so like, how many real kids did you have? It's like, well, the real ones, um, eight. <laughs> but you know, I mean, you know, like, you know, when you started, did you have your, your own children? And of course, I could tease them forever, but I don't. I say, we, yeah, we had five biological children. That's right, yeah. Okay. And then came the adopted children. I said, well, then came the other children <laughs> who we adopted, but yeah, but they're not the adopted children. I have never introduced my daughter as my adopted daughter. She's not. She's my daughter. My son, Gabriel, is my son. <laughs> of course, you could just look at them and know they're adopted, but... <laughs> See, my adopted children are all black. So um, somebody said to me once, I must always be ready to explain our adoption decision because people would be asking me, you know. And I was looking at this woman and thinking, but if I don't tell them I adopted them, how would they ever know? Yeah. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, yes, of course. Of course. In fact, they would figure it out. <laughs> traits of the orphan and I'm going to ask you not to cringe too much as I read this Um, forgive me an orphan feels alone lacks a sense of intimacy with a father natural or heavenly father Most thoughts are about him or herself, is anxious over money, work, health, relationships, basic beliefs, no one really cares. Ooh, young people, how many of you, either you or your friends have said that, nobody really cares about me, there's nobody. Because there's a lot, a lot, a lot of young people that feel that way. Wants to look good, live right for appearance sake, performance oriented, gotta prove myself. Got to show everybody how great I am. Often battles feelings of condemnation, guilt, unworthiness. Often battles fear with inappropriate faith in yourself. I can fix this. I'll just fix it. I will take care of it. I will make enough money. I will lose weight. I will whatever. I'll do it. It's up to me. Characteristics of a child. Feels loved. Forgiven, accepted, smiles. (laughs) Trust God with the future. Believes God is good. 
That's a tough one. Trust God for the future. Trust God for the future. He hasn't forgotten about you. Never has. He knows where you're going. He knows what he wants you to do in life. He knows the blessings he's got prepared. He knows the good things he's laid out for you to do. And he's got it all figured out. How are you going to make money along the way to provide for all that? He knows. He's figured that out too. He is not confused. He is not a God of confusion. Believes that God is really my Father. Trust the Father. Has a growing confidence in his care. Is being freed up from worry. Learns to walk with God daily. Is not fearful. You might remember in the story of the prodigal son that when the father sees the younger son, the prodigal son, coming back, it says that he began to run to him. It's like, is that? Is that? Is, is that? And he probably hiked up that skirt, began looking, is that? Is that? So excited, so happy, probably, probably a tear, kicking up dust in the desert. It's him. <laughs> he is coming back. It's him. And still, his own sons did not really know him. They didn't know what he was doing. Is that dad running across the desert? What's he thinking? That is so undignified. Oh my goodness. What if the servants see him? The son didn't know what to do. He should have just wept. <laughs> he should have just said, thank you. That's what we should do. And the father comes running to us. Instead, he tried to apologize. He said, I am so sorry. I do not deserve to be your son. You should just keep me with, you know, starts telling him how to handle the situation. You should just let me be one of your servants. <laughs> and then there's the older son who's so angry that the father, that the older son wasted half the inherit, half of the estate. And now the father's welcomed him back. And the older son begins to criticize him. Don't you know this is the son who etc., etc. You know, that's the way orphans behave. They either just apologize about their behavior constantly or they criticize God because he's not the, God, not the father they wanted. It's orphan behavior. You can stop that. You can repent of it. And God will help you. Not to blame, not to criticize. To stop apologizing all the time. I'm not talking about repentance. Of course, you must repent for your sin. Yeah. Sorry, God. Sorry, God. Sorry I did that. And then you forget about it. Because you've already said sorry, and he's already, he forgave you instantly. So forget about it. So, God, mm, what's for dinner? I've repented. <laughs> when Jesus spent his last supper with his disciples, he was so concerned. 
because he, he had been telling them, I, I'm going away now. And he said to them quickly, but I'm not going to leave you like orphans. I'm coming back. And he was very concerned that they would not feel abandoned as he went away. So I'll be back. And then later they'll be the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Guys, the overwhelming biblical evidence is that once you're born again, God relates to you as father to child. Not as an employer, not as the boss man, not as the judge. They had to keep you in line. A father to a child. I love talking to men who have had a child in the prior year because usually they're quite shocked. They're shocked at how much they love the child. They're shocked at how the child has completely pulled them in and captured their heart. They're shocked that all of a sudden they who had plans will change everything to take care of the child, to make sure they're provided for, to make sure that they're safe. It's a wonderful thing. Many men just don't get it until they have their own child. That's the truth. Um, but some men do. Some men get it. The children are wonderful. But once they have their own, changes. Changes them quickly. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You've already got that right. If you've ever given your heart to Jesus Christ, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. He, you have the right to become the child, to know his heart, to be loved by him, to be able to receive the love. Yes, to feel the love. Someday you'll be saying, good morning, Daddy God, and he'll say, good morning. And you'll feel, I felt that. <laughs> that is all I needed. I became um, born again, no, excuse me, not really born again. I had given my heart to the Lord, but I did not know him as Father God at all until one point I was really frustrated with myself. I was, I was a young man, young single guy, um, um, really like sporadically immoral, and I just thought, nothing's changed. You know, I'm just like I was before I became a Christian, but I know, I know, I know that I accepted Jesus as my Lord. I know that I'm trusting him for my salvation. I know it. And I went to a new church um, on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. And after the church, I asked the pastor there to pray for me. And he said, um, yeah, what, what are you praying for? And I, told, I quickly told him what I just told you. And he was kind of looking at me and, hmm. And I, I'd never heard of the term a word of knowledge, you know, where somebody prays for you and just God tells them something about you. So suddenly he said, you know your problem. You have a tremendously unforgiving spirit. If you'll just learn to forgive, then, you know, God will change everything. And I just thought, what? <laughs> I didn't say anything about being mad at anyone. I didn't say this. I was just thinking it. 
I'm thinking, he wasn't listening at all. But he was listening to God. And God told him that that was the problem. So he said, raise your hand. So I raised my hands. And he said, just repeat after me. I forgive my, my girlfriend. And I forgive my brothers and sisters. And I forgive my professors who never understood me. And I forgive my boss at work. And, and everything he said, I repeated. And then he said, and I forgive my father because he was never there for me. And he said that. And I, I put my hands down and I looked at him. I thought, oh my gosh, that's A, true. And B, there's no way I'm going to say that. <laughs> so he, being a good pastor, grabbed my hands, pulled them up into the air. <laughs> he said, repeat after me, I forgive my father. And I said, I forgive my... And I began to weep. I mean, I was weeping. I mean, just... I, because he was never there for me. Because he was never there for me. <laughs> I was crying and weeping. And he stood with me for a moment, and he said, there, that's it. It'll all change now. You'll see. And he, he walked on to pray for the next person. <laughs> and he was right. It did. Oh, guys. Sometimes our inability to move on and to leave sin behind is because we don't trust Father God to forgive us. And we haven't taken time to forgive other people. That's an extra to today's sermon. But would you all stand while I pray for you, please? Thank you, Jesus. If there's anybody here that hasn't even started that journey of, you know, giving your heart to Jesus Christ, and you'd like us to pray for you just as you stand where you are right now, just raise your hand. There were a couple of people in the first service. Raise your hand, and I'm just going to ask you to pray along with me right here. And... Uh, Okay, I saw one hand go up. Thank you. I feel like I'm at, a, feel like I'm at an auction. If anybody else wants to uh, pray with me. Great. Okay. Just to receive Jesus once and for all. You've always wondered, did I do it or didn't I? I think I did. Well, make sure. Do it again today. Amen. Anybody else? Okay, thank you. Amen. Okay, we're all going to... I want all of you to pray along with me, please. Jesus... Forgive me my sins. I ask you into my heart forever. I accept I am a child of yours. Amen. Wasn't that hard, was it? <laughs> Amen. If anybody is feeling like I'm realizing today that I am so not in a great relationship with Father God, then... Um, just ask you to just pray with me now. Just everybody pray along with me for the sake of those who really need this prayer. Dear Father God, I want to get to know you. Please help me. Forgive me for giving up on you. Thank you that you never gave up on me. Change it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Gloria, did you have some? Oh, Pastor Greg, welcome.